Hello, everyone. My name is Jake. <laughs> Welcome to Twin Troopers Podcast. We have uh, brought in a battalion of stormtroopers and we are taking over. Yay. Hi, everyone. Future Jess from the editing seat here. Welcome to the Built on Hope podcast. Uh, so in this episode, it's a continuation of our conversation from last episode with Noah and Jake. And so in this episode, Noah had to go. And so we're continuing on speaking with Jake. And also, at some point, Isaac also has to go. So you'll notice at some point, he seems very quiet. And that's why. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Jake, it's great to see you. Very much appreciate you colonizing the entire podcast from us. Absolutely. So Jake, considering everything that Noah just said around the the meta, around the FFG meta Adepticon event, what are your thoughts as a top tier player? <laughs> I only ever made top 16, but uh, hey, I play a lot. So my thoughts on the FFG meta, it, I kind of chimed in on that conversation that I think uh, with Lothal out and Endor in, Vader's uh, stock just shot way up. So anybody who's looking to pick up and play after being a few years out, Vader can be gotten into pretty easily, but has very high skill ceiling. So if you played Vader in FFG and want to just come back with that, then that's not a bad place to start uh, when coming in for an FFG meta. Otherwise, if for players who haven't played for two years and don't remember how everything worked and all that stuff, I think that a good place to come in, I guess Spectre Cell is always pretty new friendly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be on my deathbed ripping my own tongue out before I ever advocate towards someone playing Spectre Cell, but if I have to be completely objective, yeah, I'd say that's probably one of the, the easier lists that you could play if you haven't played in years, you have no idea what to do. I actually disagree with Spectre Cell being a beginner-friendly list, because since it's all uniques and they all have different abilities i find that it's actually really difficult to make sure you play all of them optimally because you have to remember the different triggers of when you can do different abilities because a lot of them have abilities that trigger outside of their activation and there's also some figures that have a thing about you really want to make sure you use them in the right order. You activate them in a certain order to get the most benefit. So for example, like Ezra's uh, Brash, like you use that at the very top of the round. It's very easy to forget that. You have Hera's thing where she can ping on those little extra bits onto other players' activations that you have to remember. Kanan's that happens, like you can see what your opponent is activating. So I think it's actually quite difficult. I actually quite like what Jake said about Vader being still very viable. I have played Vader through the whole IACP as well. I still feel like he can get his value out. Honestly, I feel like there are a lot of options if you want to play trooper units as well, which I think might be a nice place if you're wanting to jump in. Yeah, I think I think Spectre Cell is a little bit harder now because they're not just outstatting you so much. So maybe they aren't as easy as before. Those are all good points. So I withdraw Spectre Cell and uh, come back mm -hmm. in with Vader Jets. Just one little thing about Spectre Cell. And no, I'm not going to go on a five-hour rant. And even <laughs> if I do, Jess is going to cut it anyway. The, the thing with Spectre Cell is that I agree that it takes more skill now to play optimally than it did before. But the floor of Spectre Cell is still just objectively higher than the floor of most other lists. So sure, you're going to miss out on a lot of the combos because there are a lot of things to think about. But just looking at the raw stats of everyone and again one power token and one block token over and over and over again is really not that much different than plus one damage and plus one block if you play it correctly again there definitely is a difference but in the grand scheme of things you just have to guarantee you make exactly one attack around and only get attacked once per round and then it's exactly the same <laughs> goodness check <laughs> it's basically just one extra armor <laughs> sure but it's it's tokens generated everyone again i'm not arguing against the fact that spectral has been nerfed i still think the nerf isn't big enough but i'm not going to prattle on about that but the the fact of the matter is still just that ezra is still very very strong mm. without his plus one damage and i think you have to it's a lot more difficult to screw up very, very badly with Spectre Cell than it is to screw up with most other lists in the meta. Because if you screw up with Vader, Vader's dead and your entire list is dead. That is a very good point. If you screw up with Han Rangers, Han is dead, and then that's very, very difficult to pull back from. Same with IG. Same with a lot of these different things. 
But with Spectre Cell, if you misplay Kanan, okay, you lost Kanan. You still got Ezra and Zeb and Sabine and Hera and all these other figures that can still do a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So I again, I'm not necessarily making the argument that Space Cell is still broken. I believe it, but that's not the argument I'm making right now. I'm just saying that in terms of if you're a beginner player, you want to find something that is easy to play. And by easy to play, I mean not the intricacies are simple to understand, because they're not. There are a lot of abilities to memorize, but it's very difficult to lose with it in that way. Yeah, I think that's why we're talking at cross purposes is yeah. because I'm not considering winning in the purest sense i see because mm-hmm. that i when i'm talking about like getting into the game i want to think about like playing the game enjoying your your games especially if you're coming back into it after a big break you might win games but not have had an enjoyable play experience mm-hmm. but i think you're absolutely right is that if you're just trying to get the most value and really try to win that that could be a valid strategy on the on the other hand if you're gonna do a hundred practice games uh you don't need to listen to us about what list is <laughs> the easiest to pick up right yeah yeah, yeah definitely exactly yeah we're, we're kind of aiming all of this at people who played ffg and kind of dropped out of ihcp yeah, yeah. exactly I'm really curious to see for that tournament how many people do show up with Spectre Cell still. Mm. I'm wondering if it's going to be a huge slice like we used to see or if people are kind of over it and are, are, are going to try something else. Because I think that is actually a big part of what people bring to tournaments is just kind of what's in fashion a little bit, like what people yeah. are wanting to play. I mean, it, it was never popular so much in Europe, actually. Yeah, I found that really interesting. But obviously, Adepticon is an American tournament, so we'll have mm-hmm. to see. No, exactly. And it's going to be very interesting as well to compare the results of Adepticon and of the Curtain Games event. Yes. We also don't know whether people are going to be playing in, in the sense of, oh, here's a big tournament. Let's uh, go back to it for the first time in a long time. Or hey, let's just play Imperial Assault for fun and just throw some random junk together. We'll see. I think people are going to really try to play competitively. I think so as well. All right, Jake, what else do you think is going to show up? What do you think is going to do well? At FFG or at IACP? Either one. Well then, I was here mostly to talk about IACP because I've been living and breathing IACP since uh, since it started. So, well, Noah came in and said what all of the topest, top tier statistical figures are but some of them are very skewed by who played them exactly and one of them mando was very skewed by the fact that he was busted and is not any longer yeah (laughs) so that's an interesting point do you think with the changes mando is still going to see a lot of play and do so well i think people might be so used to playing mando because he was one of the most played figures in the game people might be used to his play style and then just decide to Okay, now he has to get one space closer and does a little bit less on the spear, but his ranged attack is unchanged. Hmm. I think he's still going to be there. He's still going to be on the table doing things. I just don't think he's going to be the entirety of the top 16 or top eight or whatever we end up having numbers for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, Jake, what are your preps going into this event? Well, so I've started the prep by asking people what's good behind some closed doors. And then kind of looking back at what I've been successful with. So I think what's going to be really good in Empire is Vader is always good. We'll probably see some Vader. But I think just like there's enough of a critical mass here of Imperial heroes or villains or whatever you want to call them. I think there's enough of a critical mass there that I've actually been having a lot of fun with Palpatine motivation lists using some of those heroes to then just have a pretty broad sweep of strong ranged attacks and disruption effects Mm -hmm. or you could go for a pure power strategy with emperor get in some of your dewbacks tarot or death troopers with palpatine motivation would be pretty good i haven't tried that one yet because i just haven't gotten around to it but uh, that's definitely on my list of things that could be really good because the death troopers work at a variety of ranges because they have the ability to surge for it and so having the ability to just move them around and get attacks out of them is always going to be good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff sounds like kind of mid to low range point value 
deployments sort of like how we we had you know scum mid-range or or we have these cheap jedi in rebel and now now basically empire has a bunch of characters now as well and doesn't have to just lean on their elite troopers yes exactly and well since many of them are spies you also get a strong ability to disrupt what your opponent is doing as well as having those powerful ranged attacks Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty strong combination. So that's kind of where I'm leaning and I'm planning to start practicing that. But then it's it's going to be interesting to look into the meta because so Mando was the meta for a long time. So now that he's nerfed, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the month and a half before Adepticon now that he's not as powerful and what's going to rise up to take his place or if it's just going to be kind of a situation where there are multiple competitors for that top spot. Mm-hmm. What about the support within Empire? I assume Zillow is still basically stapled. Empire is a 38 point faction. <laughs> you have Zillow technique, you have rule by fear. Yeah. I don't always take rule by fear, but I always take Zillow. Yes. For a long time, I also found it really hard not to take as many extra armors as I could stick in there. I was about to say that. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I I decide on the extra armor instead of rule by fear. Card draw in Empire is a problem. Yeah, well, because rule by fear is pretty much the only way to get extra cards, uh, that and Callus, who is a uh, really good figure to have around in many different kinds of lists. But those are your only options for extra card draw in Empire. You don't have your R2s, you don't have your Jabba's, you don't have your Black Markets, you don't have even heroic effort. Uh, so I consider rule by fear to be mandatory in the faction. Mm-hmm. It used to, so in the FFG meta, to go back a topic, Empire isn't very cards dependent, except for Vader getting that parting blow combo, but any non-Vader Imperial list is not going to be very card dependent. So that's where I actually was running single Signal Jammer once in a while, where it would, you'd put it out and it would just counter the first card played, and then you'd just dare your opponent to play a command card while you just pitched everything to Zillow. <laughs> so that stuff like that, getting out into the meta, bringing in that rule by fear, Another list I would consider in Empire is something that's I need to play it more to see if it's actually as good as I think it would be, but running Tuscans and Riots together. So talking oh, about those Dark Horse figures. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Tuscans are some of the most efficient hitters in the three-point market. Mm-hmm. And they have a minimum range of four now be- that we've uh, buffed up their Tuscan Cycler. Mm-hmm. So getting Tuscans out on the field, especially alongside Riots, they're both 7-3 deployment groups. You put out those Tuscans, get some extra armor tokens on them, and they're just as durable as a Riot Trooper and give up just as many points. Mm. So that would be kind of an IACP answer to the Carolina Swarm, where you're getting less figures on the board, but those figures all have a lot more power behind them. Right. So those four deployments, 28 points, Callus brings it to 34, and then you get two officers to 38, Zillow and Rulefear. Mm-hmm. And you have a pretty solid brawler list. You get those command cards, you get your reinforcements, you get your parting blows, you get your Junlin terrors. You're going to be getting a lot of extra attacks. And when those riots go down, then next thing you know, they're going to come back up and uh, continue to beat face. And then with Callus behind them to draw cards and to pick off from range enemies that try to run. Nice. Because he has a surprisingly long range. He's rolling the blue, green, green, so minimum four. Your average is going to be somewhere in the six area. And then he also has that surge for accuracy and can focus himself to get even longer range. So using him in that manner, he's uh, he's a good cleanup figure. Yeah, I haven't played with Callus much, but that does sound like a nice combo. Yeah, he's a he's a very fun figure to play. So I guess that's the kind of the tying line between all the lists I'm talking about is uh, is Callus is always just a fun time. I mean, I when he was released, I was expecting a lot more Callus with uh, Strat Shift after a couple rounds than we really saw. The problem with that is that there's not really any low point, low impact spies in Empire. Like the lowest you could get would be a regular death trooper with cross training, which regular death troopers suck anyway. So the first feasible one would be a an elite death trooper with cross training, which that's at five points. And so you could use that to stretch shift and that can be good, but I haven't seen that very often. Otherwise, you start getting up into your items, your callus, your ISBs. Yeah, the ISBs would be something else, but they generally want to be attacking as well because they have those amazing surges. Mm-hmm. So that's totally viable. And if I were to run the list I call too many cooks, I would probably run strat shift. <laughs> yeah, too many cooks because everybody's a leader. But having somebody just hope to have somebody off to the side who can get away with a strat shift uh, would be good. But I don't think there's enough cheap spies like Mac and Rebels or a regular Claudite in Scum that you'd feel 
good about playing strat shift with yeah so are you, are you mainly looking at building for empire i've been playing empire pretty much exclusively well i uh, i delve into scum and very rarely play play rebels but empire is where my heart lies just because that's where i find the most interesting figures figures i love playing vader i love playing Aiden and callus emperor is just everything emperor palpatine does is just a blast he <laughs> comes in lightnings people i get to do my really bad emperor impression at people it's just a fun time all around on on the table and between the players so that's that's kind of where i'm at is i'm a sucker for playing the emperor and therefore i play empire all the time nice all right so what kind of opponent lists are you worried about going up against that you think are going to be really strong this is true of whatever list i played but smugglers are always a pain in the butt because of that on the lamb but that's a problem with any list the other problem with the smugglers is that the empire lists i tend to play have large attacks so an on the lamb or a dodge is much higher impact than against an Imperial Trooper list, where if you cause one attack to miss, the other three that are coming still that round are not going to miss. Right. Yeah, that's true. You give give them more value for the one one resource, right? Yeah, that's where I'd be sad to see. Or, uh, and Hunter lists, what you want to watch out for Hunter lists in uh, these kinds of hero lists, which I think also applies to Rebel, is that they have the resources behind it to be able to just erase one of your figures in one go. IG-11 also has this ability, even without guild programming, he can wipe a Thrawn off the board in one volley of attacks. Mm-hmm. So you need to be very careful against figures like IG-11, Mando, at least in the old iteration. But even in the new iteration, he can still pump out a fair bit of damage. Maul, we were talking about. So you need to be very wary of those figures that can wipe one of yours in one go. Mm-hmm. So we were just talking with Noah about why do you think it is that Maul hasn't seen so much play recently? That's a good question. I think some of it might be that within the scum faction, Mando did a similar thing of being a figure that runs into close range and erases a figure, but he did it better because Mm -hmm. he had mobile, he has more speed, better defense, and he was able to play hunter cards while he did it. So do you think maybe it's now that the the Mandalorian has been nerfed a bit, we might see a bit more Maul coming back into the meta? I think that's a possibility, especially with, I got in just in time to see that the new map was revealed uh, for this podcast. So so with that new map, Maul, and this was already discussed, but Maul is going to be something to keep an eye on with this new map coming in. Mm -hmm. I think we're definitely going to see Maul coming back into fashion a bit more. Right. This new map is very mall friendly with the line of sight shenanigans and the short distance between deployment zones. Jabba's rotating out. Is that right? And Jabba's actually isn't the best map for mall because if you try to go down into the maze, you have to spend a whole activation running down and around into the maze. And then in round two, you have to hope your opponent went towards mall, which they didn't if they were smart. (laughs) So he's actually pretty tough to play in Jabba's. Yeah. But it's much easier in theory. I haven't played him on Deveron yet, but I think it's going to be a lot easier to do so. If Maul gets played a lot, you want to keep him at arm's length. Stay away from him. (laughs) But an experienced Maul player is going to be able to make that not happen. Mm-hmm. They're going to have their movement command cards. They're going to have officers or Gideon pushing him around, getting him closer to people. So easier said than done. But yes, you want to try to keep Maul at arm's length as much as possible. I uh, still have nightmares sometimes while trying to play Maul on Coruscant Senate offices, for example. Mm. So the, the map rotation definitely can help or hurt Maul, like it does for any melee figure. But Maul takes all of the issues, all the benefits and downsides of playing melee figures and amps them up to 11 Mm -hmm. he does insane damage at range one and he suffers that same issue that all melees do so if you can keep him away he does nothing if you can't keep him away he wins the game Mm. it's a very high risk high reward figure in that way which i know i'm not saying anything that nobody i'm not saying anything that everybody else hasn't already considered but but that's just kind of what you need to keep in mind when thinking about Maul. What I think we're going to be seeing a lot of in Rebels is is I've been seeing a lot of Cassian and Kotun in the same list, which is weird to me because I wouldn't have thought to put them together, but they both have that long range attack as well as buffing up their allies with those power tokens. Mm-hmm. So I think that's going to be where we're at as to what gets played with them. That kind of depends on the individual player. There's From the beginning of IACP, just throw a bunch of Rebel heroes into a list has been semi-viable. 
yeah. and finding the right mix of what heroes are going to be thrown into a list, you can come into a very strong combination as well. And then you also can run into MHD boxes. Cara Dune, who I have a uh, personal vendetta against because every <laughs> time I go up against her, she's always in round two getting the call the vanguard followed by parting blow, followed by clear the parting blow, do another parting blow, followed by another attack. And I just lose <laughs> my entire list in one activation. Yeah, I think that we're going to see a bit more Cara Dune, again, with the Mandalorian getting the nerf and perhaps opening up some room in the meta. I think we're going to see a bit more Cara Dune. Absolutely. And she's another one of those figures that can wipe one of your mid-range figures off the board in one go if she pulls the right cards. So figures like IG and Mando, they can do that without any cards necessarily, but... Kara needs those cards, but if she gets them, you're screwed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. Uh, your mileage may vary. Are there are there any other rebels that uh, you really have to keep an eye on? Do you think? I think those are the ones that are off the top of my head, but I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. I mean, there's there's always the old Han. If you just <laughs> let him run around and shoot you a bunch of times, yeah, yeah. And obviously, you don't want Ezra to run up and pummel you as always right jen odan is still overpowered in my opinion but not enough soda that she's ever gotten the nerf Mm. Mm -hmm. with her trigger you have to be on point when playing against her you have to know exactly how to block her line of sight and hope they don't have marksmen (laughs) yeah yeah or or some crazy defensive tech that keeps her from stunning you right I've actually been kind of surprised in season six. So in season five, for sure, I don't remember yet. In seasons four and five, Loku was everywhere you looked. And I'm not sure why I haven't been seeing him near as much in season six, probably because he could get wiped by Kara or Mando really easily. I mean, there there must also be a little bit of that element of playing with the new shiny toys. Yes. That's what I'm wondering is if actually all of our season six meta discussions are so skewed because people want to be playing the new stuff whereas a big event like adepticon people are going to really try to optimize and try to win if we end up seeing something wildly different and honestly the jedi lists that have been around since season three with jabba's out and devaron in jedi lists i think are going to be powerful the jedi have the same issue on jabba's that maul does where you need to be able to rush into a place where they're not going to get shot at in the first round and if your opponent plays smartly you're not going to be able to get any or many attacks in the second round yeah you also have a couple of those jedi units with decent movement abilities and decent speed with a small map like that they could have the opportunity to like get in do some damage and possibly get out and be a bit further back and tuck in some corners and stuff so it'll be interesting to see if we see a bit more jedi lists Absolutely. I I know Kyle's defensive Jedi list. I think that's still going to be a player. If I remember right, it was Jedi Luke had Kanan in it, Ezra, Obi-Wan, and then just play all the defensive command cards you can think of. So a list like that, where they just make it hard for you to get any kills, while at the same time they are using force push, force rush, urgency, etc. to get up in your face and destroy your face. So when you're playing against a list like that, it plays a different game than your standard move smartly, pop around a corner, shoot, and then come back. It's more of a, we're going to rush in your face. You're not going to be able to kill us before we crash into your front lines type of situation. I think that's going to be something that comes up now that people are starting to look at what's good, not what's new. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in Scum, we, we touched on Maul and Mando, also uh, IG-11 being pretty scary. So with the addition of Bib, IG-11... His stock shot up because he's able to more easily confirm those kills before he was held back by not being a hunter. But with Bib, you can turn any card into positioning advantage if you just need to get that one extra hit to kill somebody. When you're doing two three dice attacks or when playing guild programming, getting two four dice attacks, you can take a lot of uh, of points off the board in one go, especially with that ability to confirm the kill. Yeah, those are all pretty pretty scary hitters. And quite quite a few of them are decent in mid-close range as well. Yes. And I, I guess in Scum, you always still have Onar, who does Onar things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Onar has been actually pretty popular the whole way through, I think. Onar started out ICP as... He's always been on the verge of too good, and I think he stayed on that verge the whole time, which is A, a testament to Onar being Onar, and B, I think that's uh, that speaks well for us in the ICP trying to 
we've we've been trying to keep the power level around the same and it, it's definitely has gone up but it's not gone up so much that only iscp is viable as shown by onar still being around yeah I think Greedo is still pretty popular too, right? Yes. Greedo for his points is just quite good. Yeah, he's always been a nice flex pick to kind of put in and round out your points because of his cost. I think I think the shift has been there for sure, but it's not huge because Vinto always used to be a bit of a you know personal taste thing, whether he was great or, or terrible. <laughs> I've seen people recently argue a lot about how he's just not that great for five, but the others... Greedo, Onar are all still really good. Yes. Shyla, I haven't seen much of. It'd be interesting to see uh, if if Melee comes in more with Deveron. I think she would have a good place for that. You can do some fun stuff with uh, Boba, Shyla, and Onar and just drag somebody <laughs> you know, halfway across the map. <laughs> I, I guess you can use, use stuff like Diala for that as well. Yeah, and in, in Scum, you, you have to watch out for the IG and the boba fett yeah boba fett is something that he's always like kind of hovering in the background pun intended but he doesn't see as much play as people would hope but who knows maybe with a book of boba fett everybody's starting to think about him again he might show up but yeah i was wondering that same thing and when you were talking about tuscans i was just like hmm boba yeah. tuscans maybe <laughs> Banda? Or it's, it's maybe maybe there's gonna be a new boba fett with the tuscan synergies get some yunlin boba fett action going <laughs> i have no comment good that's what that's what we want to hear <laughs> and empire i guess does have a lot more viable mid-range heroes now are there any other sleeper hits you're thinking about so tuscans i and every time i've played heavy troopers i felt like i've gotten a good value out of them so I think those are something that in an Imperial Troopers list, you'll be wanting to you'll be wanting to use heavy troopers or at least uh, keep your eye on them. The reason I like them is that they have both the flexibility, but they also have enough health to be able to get into the fray with the plus three accuracy, even before they spray fire. Then they can get a shot on round one, close in further round two to ensure that spray fire, get those blasts, get those plus two damage surges. And that's, I think, what makes them so good is that playing lists with heavy blast components, it's so much easier to confirm those kills because your opponents have to, they can't just move behind other figures. They have to move behind other figures with an extra space to escape a blast confirmed kill. Yeah. Again, with the smaller map being rotated in, that could make a really big difference as well. Yes. So... If you're playing against a trooper list, those are small deployment zones with constricted ways to leave them. If they're trying to pile out of that deployment zone and you can get in with a big blast, then your opponents are going to be in a rough place no matter what they're up to. Mm -hmm. Do we think that trooper swarm is viable in the current IACP meta? I think it depends what kind of trooper and what your definition of swarm is these mm -hmm. days, perhaps. Uh, I guess I would define that as a lot of generic troopers or multi-figure multi trooper cards and using a majority of those. Stormtroopers, I think, are still... I think they're on the edge of viability, but too many times I've seen figures that, should, that would normally survive one activation of a seven-point card just melt because they're getting in those three attacks. So that's... I, I think Stormtroopers, uh, but any of those cards where you're coming in with a lot of figures with a lot of health, which is which is what Jets bring to the table. That's what Heavies bring to the table, is that they have good health for their points. The Jets specifically because of the Agile ability. I'm not super convinced that Trooper Swarm on its own is able to make it to the top tables. I think you can definitely get in mid-tier or something like that, but I don't think they're... Tr full trooper swarm has quite got it to get it to the top tables right and that's the thing is uh if you run into a vader you're gonna have a rough time or if you run into a mm. boba you're gonna have a, a rough time yeah there's quite a lot of defensive tools out there right now yeah there's a lot of defensive tools on the other hand against a hero list or a, a list that focuses on on fewer numbers of bigger attacks if each attack is wiping off a figure but you have more figures than they have attacks, you can still run the objective game. And speaking of getting VPs, but not many kills, scum VP lists, those are something that you need to keep in mind. I think they're going to make a comeback. Yeah, I think scum VP is going to make a, a big showing. I'm not sure how big the, at Adepticon, but I think it is viable, and I think we will see more of it. It's absolutely viable. Yeah, I think that's that's one of those lists you have to be a little bit careful about, because if, you, if you're not used to playing against it, it's quite different. 
mm-hmm. right from from a normal game of imperial assault right they're not, they're not trying to play the same game of kill figures get points they're playing the game of kill one figure get a bazillion points for them and then clean up everything else in objectives and the cards draw some stuff in the corner and demoralize you yes but again with the smaller map the offensive teams are going to be able to get in there and defeat your units if you're just hanging back and playing the vp game so we'll see well that's the thing though is that's one of those lists where you have more figures than they have attacks Mm, right 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 so if you're able to just send out jawas and so in the ffg meta i don't know if you guys talked about this with no or not but scum vp the patty special uh the patrick christians who was in my local area and so i played against that jawa swarm play all six jawas and every vp card i played against that for months before he went and took nationals by storm and that's Still a very good list in the FFG meta. If, if I'm going to be playing in the FFG meta, it's going to be either that or a VPT list. Vader, Palp, Thrawn. Just because those are both lists that I moderately skilled in playing and could pick back up with just a few practice matches because I'm also very busy and can't put in the 100 games. Oh yeah, same with us. <laughs> yeah, with that experience... What you really want to watch out for in the ICP version of the VP list is A, we drop the points on first strike. So... Now you only have to spend one point to get four victory points. And that's just a great way to start the game. Your opponent starts with four too, but you don't care. Yeah, because that's not their game. <laughs> so you're starting at four to get there faster. And the other thing is Afra. So many of the VP command cards are one point or zero. And so getting two celebrations, getting two dangerous bargains. It's harder to pull this off, but getting another price on their heads off. Just any of those cards, Celebration played twice is you are now, you're 20% of the way to a victory. And that's on top of all the other crap you're doing. See, the problem with playing Celebration twice is you still have to kill stuff. So if you have built your list to just kind of run and hide and, and play the victory game and you are low on offensive power, then that won't work as well. That's the thing is it's not low on offensive power. It has the power to kill one or two figures. It's not trying to kill half the opponent's list yes. and get the other half from objectives. It's trying to kill one quarter of your opponent's list and get the rest from objectives. Whereas most it's the other way where they're trying to get three quarters kills, one quarter points, depending on map, obviously, but that's how I've seen most standard lists try to go for the three-quarter kill, one-quarter objectives, whereas a VP list does the opposite. Between Sabine, Hondo, Afra can do a good amount of damage. She just has a solid dice pool. She has a dice pool that can either whiff terribly, or I've seen it wipe uh, six health figures in one shot. It just really depends on how the dice decide to treat you that day. But uh, with Sabine, Hondo, Afra, and Jawas can uh, a focused Jawa, even a focused regular Jawa, they still have that surge for plus two damage. They still are rolling three dice. They still have plus two accuracy and eight. Yeah, Jawas are pretty good, actually. Yeah, mm. especially when focused. A focused elite Jawa is one of the uh, is is actually a really strong sniper unit. That's gross. <laughs> so until they come in and kill Jabba, Jabba can cross map focus one of your elite Jawas that was just sitting on an objective. They move four spaces, shoot somebody from seven spaces away, kill them. Are we going to see Jawa swarm? Do you think? So if I wasn't playing an Imperial hero list, I'd probably be looking to play Jawa Swarm. I, yeah, I think somebody's going to bring it. I think it's going to make a showing. Right. At least at one one of the two tournaments yeah, yeah, at yeah. Adepticon. Absolutely. Yeah. If, and like I said, uh, for the FFG meta, I, that's definitely one of my things. I would have to go acquire more Jawa figures because, <laughs> but I'm sure somebody out there would be willing to loan me some, but it would just be a very good way to take people by surprise. Not many people played against it near as much as people in the Twin Cities meta, of which I think I'm the only representative that's going to be at Adepticon. But now that I've spilled all this, everybody's going to be going, trying to find VP list to play against. So we're we're only going to see Jawa Swarm <laughs> now at Adepticon. So what, are, what would you play against it? Emperor Palpatine, every time the Emperor activates, at least two Jawas are dying. He gets to pull an attack off of one of his buddies. A lightning zap can kill a regular Jawa, just no questions asked. If it's in rounds two, three, there's highly likely to be somebody out there with only one health left. So Emperor Palpatine is an absolutely brutal person to Jawas. Emperor Palpatine, Jawa killer. Yeah, which is weird considering that he's just so efficient at killing them. But hey, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain if I'm the Palpatine. <laughs> 
That sounds sounds thematically all right. <laughs> yeah, I bet he would. He's a bad dude. <laughs> I was also considering, it's like, if you are against a VP team that relies on Jabba a lot, is rushing in and going after Jabba a viable strategy? Depends on the map, I guess. It depends on the map. But if you're devoting a lot of figures to the objective to rush the deployment zone and kill Jabba, you're rushing into Sabine and Hondo, who are going to be mm. making you pay a price for it. And you're not paying much attention to the Jawas who are out getting those objective points. Yeah, it's almost like you're making their job easier. Yeah, it depends on what's on the on the map, right, in terms of victory points. The more that there is, the harder your life is. Mm. is about to become yeah oh i'm scared of jawa swarm now <laughs> uh my advice if you're going against a jawa swarm is is that if you see a jawa swarm across the table put something out on your cards that will remind you to stop and think and keep an eye on things so in most standard games i'm paying more attention to the board and not to the map and not to the scoreboard in the first in the first two rounds you're paying more attention to the map than to the scoreboard because you know that if you can get a, a decisive advantage on the map the score will come as a part of that map dominance but against vps you're going to have so many times where a jawa activates says i move four and play black market prices i draw two i discard worth every credit i just gain two victory points most of the time that would just be a standard thing of like, oh, he's drawing card. He's playing black market prices just to see more cards, play stuff, and then he gets two points as an as an incidental. But against VP, no, that that wasn't incidental. He was playing it for the points, and the extra card that in hand was a bonus. So you need to watch that scoreboard. One of the things that I've started being really careful of is I've been trying now to do all of my recording of score on paper, it's a lot easier to track what's happened and where the points are coming from on each side rather than using like a point style or a, like a points, just something that's just the number. And, and that makes it a lot easier to keep track of a VP manipulation. Right. And I found that with the dials, especially the one FFG, the ones FFG was handing out, those are very easy to nudge and then you're off. If you're writing down on each side, plus one, Java plus two black market prices. Yeah. Highly, high, highly recommend that practice if you're at a tournament. And for both players' sake, you can keep track of what's happened. And It's a it's a solid CYA move as well of uh, if your opponent says, wait, I don't remember you having this many VPs. What the heck happened? Then you just say, then you can read off and say, oh, I, I killed X, Y, and Z. Uh, I held these objectives in round two. And therefore, now I'm up to 26 points. Yeah. So, you know, actually for a lot of the other Fantasy Flight or now AMG games, you're not allowed to use those dials to keep track of numbers. Mm. I think Imperial Assault, we just never got that rule because they gave them to us so early as prizes and they'd feel bad telling us not to use them. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have a couple notebooks that are specifically IA scorekeeping, which it's also mm. pretty fun. Uh, I've been using them for years to go back and see the scores from yeah. 2017 worlds and say oh i remember that game oh yeah it's been pretty useful too for when we do recaps on the podcast you can keep track of what actually happens <laughs> yeah but it's nice it's a nice thing to have after after as a record of, of an event as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was curious if there's anything that i didn't bring up that you guys are thinking that needs to be considered i kind of went through like things that are the figures and cards that are on my mind and the lists are on my mind but if you are getting ready for adepticon what's on uh, what's on the gal's minds i'm very excited about this event because i feel like there is such a wide variety of what could show up i'm so interested just to like analyze and see who does what and how well each each faction does and i think that's also a challenge when you're preparing because it's very difficult to know what is going to be there but i think it's going to be a really really interesting event i'm really curious to see if tarot dewbacks actually gets played mm. i myself might try it we'll see what happens or if we see any other beast archetypes or beast lists that that get played i mean i i probably will play one so i i always have this problem where in a lot of years where i'm not playing much imperial assault and we only have very few big events that we can make i have to play certain things mm -hmm. like when when the rancor first came out you know i i had to play it at a regional and i only went to one regional that year so it's kind of decided by that it's not an 
until we get to seasons where I'm able to play a lot, you know, five, six regionals where I start building to win as such. So I suspect for Adepticon that I would have to bring something that I really just want to have played at Adepticon, you know, rather than having tuned it for that meta. Mm-hmm. All right, David, sneak peek. What are you building? Eh? What am I building? Eh? Well, I'm not going to tell you okay, now. fine. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, listeners. I tried. <laughs> Jess, what you need to do is you need to, like, uh, just have the phone surreptitiously on the table when you are having this discussion offline. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then, upload, and then <laughs> surprise upload it. I'm really considering what I run, because I... I love playing Vader and I love playing troopers. So I'm wondering if I stick with that. And especially with the new map being rotated in, that's a pretty juicy map for brawlers. So I'm I'm deciding between that or if I want to try something, something completely different. And again, like with what David was saying, like if you're only going to play a few like really big events, do you want to just try something different for fun, or do you want to kind of stick with what you know? Ooh, I'm undecided. I'll probably end up playing Vader. <laughs> I may very likely play a four act line ambush because that that was actually the list I developed and built for Worlds 2020 for the final FFG meta. And we we never really got to give it a try. Yeah, and honestly, like that's a list that I'm not entirely sure how to what to do if I come up with that and I don't think many other people will be. It's 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 an interesting one because the the FFG meta version is actually so different from the IACP meta version because of how uh, the health thresholds and defensive profiles changed just a little bit it completely changed what was viable there so in season six what are the star lion uh ambush figures i was very interested in the lion ambush wampas i think wampas yeah wampas are pretty scary i mean depending on the map you can get pretty good value out of the e-web i I played a a decent amount of four act uh vader with e-webs one season and that that did pretty well but it really depends on what the maps look like and whether you can get good good value out of that drop. Yeah, I think Trandoshans were were all right. They do a ton of damage. But I, I never found anything that gave you as many kind of tricky shenanigans as uh, Alliance Rangers could. In my experience, Alliance Rangers aren't doing as much uh, when they're not focused. So having them be your Lion Ambush unit, I'd, and between that and then if you're dropping them in the opponent's deployment zone, you're not getting that elite sniper turned on but uh but then again i've never seen it in action i'm just theory crafting the only reason it really worked is um because you got so many shots before your opponent got to do anything again that you didn't need that much damage so you could even play cards like focus to to just have one of them stand there focus themselves and then fire because the the trick was that you dropped them on the last activation right yes of the round and then you you actually did a an IG reactivate of IG, and then you you tapped him to change of plan, swap back to the Rangers, and the list was a thirty nine point bid. So you arranged it so that you had uh, you had the initiative the next round, and I was running both negation and comms disruption, but with no spies just to ensure that take initiative cancel. So you you essentially got three full activations with the rangers before your opponent could move at all. And, and you had uh, provoke as well on the Jeez. rangers just to mess with them a little more. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> David likes to play dirty. <laughs> yeah, so I, actually quite a few of the games where I, I played, you know, you, you would kind of, position and do some stuff and just hide for a while and then the the end of that round came and you would just get 40 points before they got to play the game again (laughs) especially if they had anything soft if they're running things like double weak ways you know 12 ranger shots with as many cards as you can get by then is brutal oh that's pretty cool it was it was really fun and it since it's three activations right it's 12 ranger shots but they also got to move 12 spaces so they could just walk all the way back to your own deployment zone and you could end having the rangers in a normal position as well (laughs) if you wanted to if you hadn't already won by then 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it was close. In the FFG meta, you, you do almost run out of resources by the time that you've killed everything. So what, what basically happened was the Royal Guards got buffed. And then I, c- I couldn't kill anything with the Rangers anymore. Then they got slightly unbuffed. So who knows? Maybe that uh, maybe that's back in mm. back in business. Could be. Yeah, Lion Ambush has gotten decent amount of play in IACP, whereas before it, you never see it. Yeah, it, it was one of the most interesting cards for me when it was released. I actually kind of wonder whether or not DT knew about Foract Lion Ambush. Let's have him on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can ask, ask him sometime. I, I wouldn't put it past him, you know. Yeah, and then uh, maybe that was his like secret tech that he was planning to do, and then Spectre Cell just blew it out of the water, and he played that instead. <laughs> well, I think I think it wouldn't work against Spectre Cell, actually. <laughs> that, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. yeah, they just stay in the deployment zone, wait for you to get there, and just obliterate you. Well, then you just deploy it to your own deployment zone and uh, make and then dare them to come to you. No, they'll just put them in the middle and still get you <laughs> wherever you go. <laughs> Uh, Spectre Cell is so stupid. Uh, if we have time for one more topic, IACP four-player pods, what should people be looking for there? Oh, no, I have no idea. I have not thought about this question at all. Four Rancors. <laughs> okay, so what's the rules on building, like, like uniques are okay, right? You can have, like, doubles. And- In four-player free-for-all, there's no list building, no list building changes. Just uh, the only big change is uh, Java. You choose one player to nefarious gains off of instead of just sitting in your deployment zone, waiting for all of your opponents to kill each other and stake and take all the victory points. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. I mean, I, I think you you really want to be able to secure kills on those big juicy figures so you can just steal the points yes. after other people do a bunch of damage. Yes, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of waiting for other people to, and then just try to steal their kills. I remember, I think, one four-player event I played before. I won, but all I did was kill Chewie. <laughs> the, the thing is, there was more than one Chewie in that game. And I... Oh, that's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing I did that whole game was kill Chewie. And not only that, the only thing I did was deal one or two damage to each Chewie to finish <laughs> them off. I told you David fights dirty. <laughs> what I would throw in as uh, is that in four player, some things become more viable or, or become viable at all. Uh, so we're playing a four player league and I'll just throw this tidbit out there. The corrupting force command card. Use it at the start of a round if your affiliation is Imperial. Each player chooses up to three figures. Roll one blue die. Each of those figures suffers damage equal to the damage results. So with up to 12 figures being chosen. That's nasty. And you, the person playing it, get to keep all of the victory points scored from that. So I used it to uh, pull three kills by just choosing three figures that were about to die anyway across the map from from where I was. And then I was able to to, uh, yoink those points amazing that's fabulous so i love it cards like that or if you're playing under duress playing chaotic force which does the same thing in scum but applying strain equal to the accuracy result of a green die roll so if you're playing under duress every figure that uh that people choose that is one of your opponent's figures is under duress if they decide to retaliate and choose your own figures that's not under duress yeah so just throwing some uh throwing some points out there Stuff like Palpatine to snag all of the one health yes, figures. Also very good. Callus drawing uh, extra cards for everybody can be used as a bargaining chip because that's an optional ability. You can just say, no, I don't. If every if you too many people are attacking me, no, you don't get cards. Or if you can say, hey, if uh, if if everybody else is going at each other, let's let's just add that up, throw some more cards into the mix, and see what happens. Oh, that's actually a really interesting point. Yeah, because usually that ability would just be directly against you, your opponent yeah. having cards. But actually, those cards might be used against somebody that's against you Yes. also. Mm. You probably don't want to play something like Headhunter Chopper. Everyone will just come and try to murder you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think there is like an interesting thing to keep in mind that you don't want to be doing so well that they all immediately kill you first. Right, and that's in any multiplayer game like this. That's a very interesting consideration to bring into Imperial Assault. So the Headhunter Chopper on the Hoth map? 
<laughs> Headhunter Chopper, there's a, a terminal in your deployment zone and a terminal in everybody else's deployment zones. Yep. So you're going to have targets with Chopper. So that's always a blast. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> the problem is, every time I play Headhunter Chopper, my opponent seems to just sacrifice whatever they want to get him. I've, I've had Ahsoka's bombed in mm. by themselves from across the map just to attack him. You don't want three people doing that to you. I mean, listen, that chop, he just talks a lot of smack you know he's a very rude droid <laughs> which is great i think if i remember right from a uh from a developer interview or maybe i just overheard this at the game store one time they made chopper in the show it's like oh my god chopper stop doing things uh, you're so annoying and then they tried to get that into the card as much as possible so that was a very fun little bit of trivia i think it might have been like overheard at like at a world's event is they were talking about how they designed Chopper and, and they succeeded. He's an annoying little bastard. Yeah, I love Chopper. Okay, what about if you're playing something like Thrawn? Does his ability, do you have to choose one opponent then to... No, you look at the top card of everybody's. Oh my god, I love it. It specifically says, look at the top command card of each player's deck. You may discard one of those cards. That's amazing. That is, that's quite nice. So even if you're only discarding one, you can tell everybody like, oh, uh, so I'm going to discard this person's lamb, but he also had lamb. Just watch out. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, because information is really valuable. Yes. Lamb is so useful when you don't know that it's there, right? If you know for sure it's there, you can play around it. There's a lot of that manipulation that you're playing with the information or lack of information with certain cards. You can kind of try to bluff like you have something. That can be quite interesting. Yes. I bet Afra is fun as well. Oh, Afra is everywhere in four-player. So many cards, can't even play them all. Absolutely. Yo, it, yeah, last time I played a four-player game in IACP, it was four Afras. Like, we were having to like write on the cards in Vassal. Who was Afraing this card and who it actually belonged to? Drag it out onto the field. And there was like just four command cards sitting out waiting to be played. It was, uh, it was pretty hilarious. Four Afras, four choppers. All Afra, all chopper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And Palpatine. That's all you get. God, I wish you could get all three of those into one list. That would be so hilarious. Yeah, you can get Afra in with Palpatine or Afra in with Chopper. You can't get all three, thankfully. We could play a Chaos in the Galaxy uh, four-player and just make things awful. So Chaos in the Galaxy was a format that we invented in the Twin Cities here. 50 points, no faction restrictions, 20-20 command decks. So 20 cards, 20 points. Bonkers. It was, uh, so it was right after Heart of the Empire released. So I ended up winning the tournament that we played with it with Emperor, Jedi Luke, Vader, Maul, and Support all in one oh, list. So it's basically, it's like a alternate reality where Luke joins the dark side. Yes. And what was really fun is if you put advanced comp systems on Luke, then his deflection triggers off of any attacks against his allies within three spaces. But you, you have to put Kenobi with Maul too, because they're best pals. <laughs> well, this has been a very enjoyable conversation. Well, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Jake.